What's up, everybody? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night here on a beautiful, warm weather. Round two of the Lightning moving in. Just saying, just saying. Lightning move on to round two down here in Tampa to beat the Florida Panthers and await to see. Uh, matter of fact, there are Canes should have played, so they're waiting to see between the Canes and the Predators. So we'll see how that outcome, outcome ends up playing out. But more importantly, tonight we do have on the show uh, one is Shil Kapadia, which he'll be joining us here momentarily. As I see him coming into the green room, so she will be on with us here momentarily. On the show tonight, we are talking about Russell Westbrook, the fallout that happened once again in Philly, and Philly does not need that additional attention. But as we know, the way Philly fans are, it's the way it works. But we also have news. I'm pretty sure everyone's caught up with what they did to that fan. And as far as him not being able to come to Wells anymore. So the Eagles new hires, Tua, and what he announced as far as out to the football world and what he didn't know about the playbook last year. And so more around the NFL. So a jam-packed show again tonight. And again, we do have Shio Kapadia, who covers for the Athletic and the NFL, who previously worked for ESPN. So Shio will be on with us. This is, again, episode 53. The gang is waiting in the background. And I do have another important announcement to make as soon as we get the intro going. So thank you to everyone tuning in tonight. We do appreciate it. And with that being said, I'm Angel. This is Broad Street South. So again, thanks to everyone tuning in tonight. Show will be on with us, and I have to bring my guys on. The one that always kicks off the show here with the 50 million names, where we know him and love him as Vito Corleone. Hit is Mike Fuji. <laughs> I tell you what, one of these days, one of these days is going to come by <laughs> when you're out there playing. You're never going to catch me doing it. Never. <laughs> it's going to happen. Thursday Eve, Shield Capati in the house. Sixers up 2-0. Eagles making some moves. Phil's, who knows where they're going, but what's going on, Angel? Let's kick it off a great show tonight. How are you? It is absolutely phenomenal down here. You're about 94 degrees today. Uh, nice warm weather, I will say, for the Tampa area that is. Uh, so we're just celebrating the great weather, as always, and just having lots of fun down here. So, again, we're moving on round two down here, Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll see. We'll talk about maybe even the other teams that have advanced. New York Islanders, of course, beat who? The Pens? Sidney Crosby going night-night into that dark night, so that's a great thing. But we will also bring on Always. the one who is doing the retro out there looking for a softball team, our sports contributor, Mike Sherman. And it is the man himself, Mike. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Just remember, everyone, when you're a left-hander like I am, there will always be a spot in the bullpen for you. Always be a spot in the bullpen. You can never have enough left-handed arms in there. This is so true. You great. Absolutely. Point. Great point. But we also have on our national correspondent, I see he's poking his head directly into the camera. It is Ryan F., national correspondent. Ryan, how are you this evening? Gentlemen, I'm Ryan Neff. It's great to be with you tonight. Yes, we're going to talk about all that and probably more. Uh, I've got my two cents to put in, as always. May go on a rant or two. But again, don't take me too seriously because, as Sherman says, 
it's for entertainment purposes only. That is true. That is very true. And we can't forget about the youngest member of the group, our beat writer, Ducky, also known as Nick Lisi. Nick, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing great, and I can't wait to get to the topics tonight. We all wonder why we hate Philadelphia sports fans, and last mm -hmm. night proved it, and then some. So Easy, easy there, bandwagon <laughs> jumper. Easy yeah. there, young. Shokapati might have a, a, a different outtake on that one, right? So no one hates the Philly fans. You just have a couple of Googles in the group. Right? <laughs> Let's get that one there. And before I bring Chill on here, uh, one special person that I will say absolutely that I love her very much, and a happy birthday to my sister, I just had one two days ago. My sister celebrates it today. So to my sister, happy 21st birthday. I hope you have many more coming in the future. And I absolutely love you. And I hope you have a great weekend with your girlfriends this upcoming weekend. So thanks to her. And also thanks to fans of Philly. Of course, fansofphilly.com. If you guys want to travel like a champion, travel with fansofphilly.com, the official sponsor of Broad Street South, along with Goose's Monte Cristo Tobacconist Lounge. Thanks to them as well and their fan base out there as we're live on Goose's page, also on Instagram. Thank you guys for coming on the show and viewing the show as well as we will be live out there September 12th at Goose's Pond Studio. So nice little name for a brand new studio. He's getting it all together and we will have an actual show in between to kind of test everything out. So with all that being said, and I don't want the man to, work, to wait anymore as I will bring up this screen here just so everyone can see, just like we do with Shilkapadia, we follow him. We hope that you guys follow him as well. He, like you said, covering the NFL for the athletic, a great paper. If you guys don't know the history behind it, I would say for you guys to read upon the history from the athletic, but also who covered the Seahawks for ESPN. And the man has done a phenomenal job year after year. So with that being all said, it is the man of the hour. Shiro Kapadia, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We do appreciate it. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm looking at your backgrounds. I need to step my game up. We're doing some rearranging here at the Capadia household. I forgot to get a chair, so I'm sitting on an exercise ball. So if I, like, fall over or something, just continue without me, and then uh, I'll rejoin once I get back up. Sure, no problem, man. Listen, it's okay. We can all do exercises. If you want, we can all just, you know, every time for once in a while, we just bounce up and down. We'll be just fine. <laughs> but thank you, Shield, for coming on. And listen, there's a lot of news going around. We know it's a, it's even though it's the off season. The funniest thing about this year is that though the off season seems like it's taking forever for the NFL season to get kicked off again, but there's plenty of tidbits going around. You got Aaron Rodgers obviously going out there in Seattle with Russell Wilson. We got Tua admitting to what he didn't know from the playbook. Um, and I've got that little segment, that that clip, but I want to play that with you. So that way you can hear what he had stated. I'm pretty sure you did hear it. But it was pretty interesting for, for that young gentleman to admit what he wasn't comfortable with. And I think the Miami fans, I'm quite sure it, it's kind of rough for Tua. I know he's coming into his own. It's He's coming into the second year. He'll come into his first official year of being at, at behind the helm here as quarterback. But it was nice to see that he can admit his own faults. And, and there's a lot of guys that won't admit it. They'll sugarcoat it. But it was nice to hear. Kind of refreshing for someone to say, yeah, I didn't know what I needed to know. But I'll get better at it this year. And then we also have last night as uh, our Brooklyn Nets fan. Don't hold it against him, Shield. It's just that you know, our young ducky there. But <clears throat> he's a Brooklyn Nets fan. As he stated, his words, not mine. That's why we hate the Philly fans. And we don't hate the Philly fans. You just have, again... Just one or two that are just ridiculous. And last night, once again, proved at the Wells Fargo Center that sometimes, even though we were all able to go back, some of us at least, 
to go watch the game. You just have one boneheaded person as Russell Westbrook was bleeding from the floor from injury. And then you add insult to the injury by pouring popcorn over his head. So I do have the clip on that one as well. But I want to know, first of all, how are you doing and how's the family? Doing well. Yep. We, we are uh, hanging in there waiting for the end of the school year and then uh, hopefully a, a nice summer. So like you said, this is sort of the slow time uh, or supposed to be the slow time in the NFL calendar, but this is a really unique year. You know, you've got the Deshaun Watson situation kind of just hanging out there. You've got the Aaron Rodgers situation hanging out there. You've got Julio Jones, who's probably going to get traded here uh, in the upcoming week. So usually June, July, that that's kind of when you have the slow time in the NFL calendar until training camp, but it's a little bit different this season. I even think those months, you're probably going to get some surprise, uh, some surprise news, whether it's on a Friday night or something where all of a sudden you look at your phone and you say, wait, what? I, I thought this was a slow time uh, for yeah. the NFL, but here's a big trade or something. No, it's true. And, and I listen this year, I never thought that Julio Jones, because Atlanta just signed him with another contract. So I figured, okay, well, he's going to retire as a, as a Falcon. At least it seemed that way. Then in all of a sudden there's rumors of him saying that he wants out of Atlanta because he wants to win. Then you have this past weekend when he was caught at an airport with a hoodie with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, basically logo on there, at least the written letters. We don't like to mention that team around here much, but you know, we have to because that's what he wore. But he wore a Cowboys, you know, hoodie, and someone said, oh, how dare he wear or something like that when he still belongs to Atlanta Falcon. And if you listen to Sean Salisbury, he was saying that even when he was a player and went somewhere different, if he decided to wear something other than a Minnesota Vikings shirt, he can put it on. So it's, you know, I, I guess the rumors thought people were saying that, hey, he must be, you know, going to Dallas. That's the reason why he has the hoodie on. None of us, I don't think that from as far as that we know, He's not going over there, but the rumors are, and I don't know how much you know of it as well, is that supposedly maybe New England is thinking about making a run for Julio Jones. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of teams interested. I think there are a lot of teams who have already had conversations with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, Julio Jones, if you look at him last year, battled some injuries, but when he played, the guy is still a number one wide receiver. So he's 32 years old. So if you're a younger team and you're not going to contend in the next couple of years, it probably doesn't make sense to give up draft capital. But if you are a contending team and you feel like, man, we could really use that that one more piece to add to our passing game, uh, you got to take a look at him because the, the guy obviously is a future Hall of Famer. Um, you know, I know he said, or he admitted at least that he wants out of Atlanta. And so I I think at this point, it's a matter of just when, not if he gets dealt, and we'll see kind of where, where he ends up. Yeah, Very, very interesting. Well, sure. so have you uh, – what was kind of your reaction when, when Julio went live, or I guess he, he went live and didn't know on Undisputed? Is, is, that, is that something that, like, shocked you, or were you not super surprised by, by the way he kind of announced he, he wanted out? Yeah, you know, I obviously if you kind of cold call someone and don't tell them they're on the air, you know, that you're not supposed to do. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm sure that they had a previous relationship. Maybe they they knew what they were doing there in that situation. But it was a little bit of an eye opener because really it didn't make much sense, sense to me from the Falcons perspective when you hear, oh, they've got to get under the salary cap and that's why they're going to trade Julio Jones. I mean, there are all kinds of things you could do. They could restructure some contracts with the players they have. And I thought actually that Atlanta was a team 
going into 2021 that really could be a playoff team. I mean, if you look at some of their losses last year, they were not as bad as their record indicated. They have a new head coach who it was a smart offensive mind. Uh, and they draft, of course, Kyle Pitts there in the first round. So I thought, you know, hold on to Julio Jones and see what happens here in 2021. But obviously, like you mentioned, uh, it came out there and Julio admitted that he kind of wants to go somewhere else at this stage in his career. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I guess uh, another question, um, you talking about all these trade situations blooming as a, as a writer, I guess, what, what are you kind of doing between now and maybe when these guys are traded, maybe when they don't, what, what kind of your timeline look like for the next few months since the season's slow? Yeah, I'm actually working on kind of a big uh, season preview type thing where I'm going to, you know, release this thing probably, I don't know when the date will be, late July, early August, but just kind of a team-by-team breakdown on what I think about every team, their off-season moves, where they stand, um, some X's and O's, some analytics, all that stuff in there. So that's what I'm kind of working on. And it's funny you should uh, ask that because as I'm deciding what team should I do next, I was going kind of from the best to the worst from last year. And then I got to the Packers. And I said, it will be pretty stupid for me to write this chapter right now. I'm going to save the Packers uh, until I'm nearing the end to see is Aaron Rodgers still on the roster or not. So that's kind of what I'm doing here over the next uh, three, four weeks. And then, uh, you know, then is the time where really NFL writers take their vacation uh, mid-June, early July. And then you come back and you get ready for training camp. So that's kind of what my next uh, two months look like here. Sheila, as far as getting back to uh, Julio Jones, if just from your inside information, where would you see uh, Julio Jones ending up if you were to make bet on it? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of teams that that should be interested that that fit the category I mentioned earlier. I mean, if you're a team like the Green Bay Packers, for example, and you're saying, hey, Aaron, you know, what what can we do for you here? You know, I, w- I would think adding Julio Jones to Devontae Adams there and saying, Please come back. We'll pay you some more money. Let's sweep everything under the rug. Let's go win a Super Bowl. That would make sense to me. They don't have kind of a bona fide uh, number two wide receiver. And Julio Jones, like we mentioned, would be a number one. You know, a sleeper team, I just kind of was writing about this team uh, yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs, you look at their team, their roster right now, obviously Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, two trem- tremendous pass-catching weapons. They're very thin there, though. Now, You have Patrick Mahomes. He can make a lot of guys look like they're uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers. But if you look at a team and you say, like, it kind of makes sense for them to just go all in right now if they've got to give up a second-round pick, a first-round pick, whatever the case may be, add Julio Jones to that offense. Uh, All of a sudden, you're getting a little deeper. You can withstand an injury uh, to one of those guys for sure. So those are a couple of the teams that came to mind. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, you know, uh, Carson Wentz, I I think that would make sense. They don't have a great group of wide receivers. They have sort of some unproven younger guys who it could work out. It might not work out. So uh, if you think you are a team that's going to make a deep playoff run here in the next year or two, uh, that's a team where I think it would make sense to take a look at Julio Jones as well. Shifting gears to the NFC East, uh, a division that was so poor last year that the Washington football team found a way to win that division. Who would you say would be the team in the NFC East that has made the most improvements in the offseason? 
Well, uh, I guess it depends how I want to answer that question. If I'm saying who is the favorite to sort of win the division in 2021, I think it, it, it is the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I think the teams are close, but I just feel like if they get some better injury luck, if Dak Prescott stays healthy, they've got the best quarterback situation, and so they would be the favorite. If I'm looking at which team made the most improvements, you know, uh, I think you can look at – it would probably come down to Washington or the Giants. I think I would probably lean uh, towards Washington. I actually thought they had a really smart uh, offseason. You know, Ryan Fitzpat Fitzpatrick can come in. He can be sort of a Band-Aid option at quarterback. You can sort of address that position after the season. They signed uh, cornerback William Jackson uh, in free agency. He's a very good player. They got Curtis Samuel offensively to kind of be a slot receiver for them. And I thought they did a good job in the draft also. So um, I think the Giants will get a lot of headlines in August and September. You know, they made some splashy moves for sure. Um, I wasn't in love with all the moves they made. And so I, I would probably say Washington uh, kind of made the moves to improve the most uh, as far as I can tell. Talking about the Washington football team, is there any chance that they regress this year based upon the fact that they're going to have to play a first place schedule this year? There is. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're just going to sort of run away with the division or anything like that. You know, I think they'll probably hover around 500. And, you know, I think maybe a couple teams in this, this division will hover uh, around 500. But what you just said is absolutely true. I mean, they have a, a issue at quarterback last year. They had one of the worst offenses uh, in the NFL, but the defense was good enough and the division was bad enough that they still won the division there uh, and had a nice season. But uh, it's not, you know, defense. If you look at defense historically, year to year, it's not as consistent. You can have a great defense one year, all of a sudden the next year, maybe you don't get the turnover luck that you got the previous year and it doesn't look as good. So uh, I still like their personnel on defense. I still think it's going to be a good group, but I think you make a good point. Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of, hey, they're just going to build on what they did last year and be a much better team. I, I think they'll probably be a similar team to what we saw last year. In case you guys are just joining us, we have Shil Kapati on tonight with us from The Athletic. And again, we thank Shil for coming on with us. And uh, I've got a couple of comments here that I want to bring up before uh, Ryan gets into his questions. And Tom, a great friend of the show here, he says, I enjoy your spots when you do WIP segments. Thank you. Appreciate that, Tom. I, I like being on uh, with those guys and do a couple of regular segments uh, in season. And it's always fun. So I appreciate you listening. <clears throat> Thank you, Tom, for the comment. Also, he follows it up with, do you think Ryan Kerrigan will hope, uh, will hope the Eagles defense or will help the Eagles defense, which I'm pretty sure he wanted to say. Yeah, I, I, I was a little bit surprised by that move. You know, I, I thought Ryan Kerrigan would go to sort of a team that's ready to contend for a Super Bowl right now. I don't think the Eagles are that because I, I really thought Kerrigan could be kind of a rotational pass rusher. But, uh, you know, he, he chose Philadelphia. I'm not sure what other options he had. I think he'll be a rotational guy. I don't think you want him stealing snaps from your younger players like Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. You know, both of those guys – uh, their contracts are up after the season. So I really think you want to find out what do we have in these guys? What kind of workload can they handle? What kind of leap can they make so that it'll better inform your decision after the season of, are you going to sign them to a long-term contract or are you going to let them test free agency? But you always need depth. You have Brandon Graham. So 
I think Kerrigan will, will fit right in there as your third or fourth defensive end. If someone goes down, he obviously can play more snaps and uh, everything you hear about him in, in, ter in terms of a locker room presence, a teammate leadership. Uh, when you're setting the culture with a new head coach, um, you know, I think he can only help in that respect. So I'll, I'll put my two cents. Uh, I mean, does anybody really think that Julio Jones didn't know he was on television? He knows when Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless are on. He knows. You don't make that kind of phone call during a commercial. Give me a break. It's tactics. It's tactics. I'm tired of hearing, oh, you didn't know he was on. You know, then he says he doesn't want to go to the Cowboys. He wants to go to a winner. There are, there are only so many teams he could go to. He already, she'll just mention the Chiefs, which I don't think they'd be able to pull it off. The Packers, wouldn't that be a coup? You know, Aaron Rodgers would probably come back for that. Or I'm going to throw another team out there that nobody's really talking about, and I don't know if they'll be able to swing it. You imagine if Julio Jones and DK Metcalf lined up on both sides of the field? Wow. You imagine what that, that that would do to defenses? Don't count Seattle out. Um, as far as the NFC East, sir, I disagree with everybody. If Daniel Jones cannot win with that offensive firepower – that they have now, if they can just improve a little bit on defense, guess what? I'm gonna, uh, I'm not gonna pick till December. Or I mean, at September. But right now, I would say that the Giants are the favorite in the NFC least. And Sheila, I got a question for you, quick. Since yeah. the Sixers are in full swing, I know what everybody's thinking. We're up to nothing. We look fantastic. Then the idiot with the popcorn, the popcorn bandit. I'm calling him. I know they're up to nothing, but let's just pump the brakes a little bit because being up to nothing really doesn't mean that much anymore. Washington's going to go home. They could tie it 2-2. So where do you stand on what you've seen from the Sixers so far? Or do you think, do you think Sixers fans are just getting a little bit ahead of themselves? Well, they got a great draw. You know, it, it couldn't have fell fallen any better their way when you look at how the playoff seedings came out. So uh, getting ahead of themselves, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't think the Wizards are a very good team, quite honestly. And so you're right. Anything can happen. And, um, you know, you still have to win the four games. But, man, it would be just an utter – barring an injury, of course. An injury changes everything. But barring an injury, it would just have to be some kind of all-time Philadelphia collapse, which we know those things happen. So – I wouldn't rule anything out, but uh, they should be the favorites in this series. They, they will be heavy favorites uh, in the next series, whether it's Atlanta or the Knicks. And then, of course, then it gets really interesting once you get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So there I go, uh, getting ahead of myself uh, a little bit. But that's just kind of how I see it um, with the Sixers right now. And just to touch on the other points you mentioned there, you know, I think the thing everyone forgets about the Giants, you're right. If you just write it down on paper, if you are a fantasy football player and you look at it, wow, hey, they got every, you know, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, this is going to be a good team. Everyone forgets they have one of the worst offensive coordinators in the entire NFL in Jason Garrett. I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what he's done to deserve the faith of anybody who thinks he's going to maximize the talent on their roster. So, uh, you know, if they had made a move there, if they had hired sort of a young and, up, young and upcoming offensive coach or somebody with a better track record, uh, I, I think I would be more on board with that Giants pick. But to me... That looks like a team that everyone's going to be jumping on their bandwagon in late August, uh, early September before the season.
season. And then, you know, mid-October is going to roll around and everyone's going to remember that Jason Garrett is calling the plays for them and that the offense is disappointing. So uh, we'll see. Who knows? You could be right. But that that's just kind of how I see that. And then you, Seattle, you're, you're absolutely right. That's a name I actually should have mentioned because if you look at the Seahawks, Russell Wilson wanted them to really upgrade their offensive line in the offseason. They didn't do that. But now all of a sudden, if you look at it, if you add Julio Jones to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I mean, that is bar none, the best wide receiving group in the entire NFL. And they're not afraid to trade away all their picks for veteran players. They only had three picks in last year's draft. So I totally agree with you that they are a team to keep an eye on. Sheila, as far as Julio Jones going, whether, like Ryan says, maybe Seattle, Kansas City, I mean, you know, the whole Dallas thing. I mean, is there enough balls to go around all these diva receivers? I mean, you figure you get into, like you said, Metcalf, you know, and TJ Lockett. I mean, guys start bitching and complaining if they're not getting the ball, especially in Dallas. Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, I mean – there's just they're all divas and they have egos. And you know, we all want the ball, especially with uh Zeke Elliott in the backfield. You know how he was bitching last year with the carries, and you know, it was just there's just not enough footballs to go around, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think Dallas ever made sense. I don't know why. I don't know why he wore that sweatshirt. I don't right. know what the story is behind the sweatshirt, but that to me uh, would have really never made any sense. You know, they took C.D. Lamb in the first round last year. He had a nice rookie season. They're paying Amari Cooper twenty million per year. They've got Michael Gallup, uh, like you mentioned. So that would be one team where I would look at it and say, wait a minute. You know what? Unless there's another shoot a drop and you're getting rid of one of those existing wide receivers, right. I think you're absolutely right a team like the cowboys would, would never have made sense for him i mean it's just a, it's a beautiful implosion for us eagles and the <laughs> nfc's fans right. just saying you know, i want to shift back to the nba um and brian touched on it briefly i touched on it briefly to start the show and that's the um the fan that that decided it was so funny to dump popcorn on another human um angel if you have the clip do you, do you mind playing it yep Right here. Come out and boo, yell all you want. We encourage that. This is just plain stupidity. Somebody pouring some popcorn and any athlete being Westbrook or whomever, they are pumped with their adrenaline. Yeah, I mean, that's that's nuts. Um, and then uh, obviously, like later after the next game, it came out, right? I spit over 50 cent and, and hit Trey Young. Trey Young, fortunately for the fan, he's not going to file any charges or anything like that. But um, what's your thoughts on like these fans coming back? And I guess they're being like a little rowdy. Is it is it that is it too surprising to you, or is it something that you you would have expected since fans haven't been in the stands in over a year? Yeah, I don't know that it has much to do with, you know, the the absence of fans and them coming back and just letting loose. You know, I, I thought both uh, incidents were ridiculous. You know, I, I was actually, when I was watching all these games during the pandemic and there weren't any fans, I thought this isn't that big of a deal. I'm still enjoying the games. Uh, I don't miss the fans as a viewer uh, on TV. But then these NBA playoffs were the first time where I was like, this is awesome. It's awesome having the fans back. I mean, both the Sixers game, I thought, and Madison Square Garden uh, this week, even both those games, it's just been electric with the fans in the stands. So um, 
it's a shame because a couple people ruin it for everybody. You know, I mean, you're throwing popcorn at a guy who just got injured. I, I don't know anybody who would kind of defend those actions. I don't know who it was. I saw someone mention on Twitter that athletes should be able to like maybe pop one fan a year uh, if they, if they do something like that. Because so, I mean, the you know the fan is sitting there by himself and like he knows nothing's going to happen to him. That Russell Westbrook's not going to make it in there. So maybe they should have just let let Westbrook go up there. Uh, you know, deliver a message, and that might have been the best move they could have done to deter that behavior in the future. I don't know. And, I mean, come on, spitting at a guy uh, who's on the court like that, that, of course, is completely ridiculous. I, I don't understand how the how it's so hard to, like, realize where the line is, right? I mean, right. chant stuff, go crazy, boo, <laughs> let them hear it. I mean, that's fun. We, we all love watching that. Trey Young was thriving on that, right, in the first game, giving it back to the fans. Like, that's amazing right. theater. That's why we love watching professional sports with fans in the stand. But but come on, you, you don't throw, it, throw anything uh, at those guys. You know you wouldn't do that to Russell Westbrook if you saw him in the street. Uh, you know, anything like that. So, um, they, you know, it, I, I do think it's kind of just a couple bad seeds who, who screw it up, maybe more than a couple, but I do think it's sort of the minority where most people are looking at that saying, dude, what are you, what are you doing right now? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is quite crazy. And we also have um, Russell Westbrook's comments after the game. I think you want to play that as well. Let me honest, man, this shit is getting out of hand, uh, especially for me. Um, just... The amount of disrespect, the amount of just fans is doing whatever the fuck they want to do. It's just, it's out of pocket, man. It's out of pocket, seriously. Like, in the other setting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for the fans enjoying the game and having fun. And, you know, it's part of sports. I get it. Uh, but there's certain things that cross the line. Uh, and any other setting, I know for a fact that fans, and they want to come up. And, a guy wouldn't come on the street and pour popcorn on my head because he know what happened. A guy wouldn't come up to me and talk mess about my kids or family on the street because the response would be different. In these arenas, you got to start protecting the players, man. It yeah, I mean, you can hear it in his voice. He's very, like, you know, he's, 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 he's sick and tired of it. And, and, he, and rightfully so, he should be. I mean, these fans are two feet behind him, and realistically, Anytime you go in for an inbound, like the fan could, you know, touch him. They did that to Kyle Lowry, or there's one like older lady who was messing with LeBron. I mean, the NBA has had this problem before, but I guess now pandemic fans are just coming back. It's it's, it's been heightened here. But I'm gonna transition over to Sherm and, and let Sherm go ahead and dive in with the question here. I'm going to be honest. I am sick and tired of these fans across the United States of America who get their 15 minutes of fame by either running on a baseball field, spitting at a player, spilling popcorn on somebody, all these fights that happen in the stands. I'm absolutely sick and tired. His internet was sick and tired of it, too. (laughs) How about that one? I know he was having internet connectivity earlier, so let's see if we'll we'll come back and – that's a screenshot-worthy photo of Sherm there. <laughs> sure is. Yeah, well, as everybody's talking about this Westbrook thing, I'm thinking back to 2004 with Ben Wallace and Ron Artest going at it, and all mayhem just broke loose, and what a fiasco that was. All right, Sherm, you're back. All you. 
it's because i had to leave the studio i didn't even know it was my my fault all right so i'll, I'll be quick i'm sick and tired of these fans who get their 15 minutes of fame you can watch all these internet videos of the uh padres fan who punched the rockies fan or the dodgers astros yeah. brawl in the stands or the white Sox cardinals all the spitting and the popcorn throwing let's focus on the good of everything that's going on the philadelphia 76ers are up two games to none ben simmons got absolutely torched in this city after game number one when we when he was 0-6 in the line, and he rebounded, pun emphatically intended, with a pretty good game last night. So let's stop talking about this fan who's acting a fool, and let's talk about the product, the good product that's on the court right now, which is the Philadelphia 76 <laughs> Thanks for Sherman. Uh. <laughs> What are your expectations for Ben Simmons going forward? You uh, you think he's going to keep having 22 and keep balling out like he is, or you think he's going to regress here? And, and how do you think teams are going to start defending him uh, after they get out of this first and second round? You know, I, I think the big thing is the end of games, right? You know, it, to me, if they're winning, if he's distributing, if he's racking up assists, if the offense is working uh, in the first three quarters – it's, you know, at this point, you kind of have to take the good uh, with the bad. And he does do a lot of great things. I mean, he's one of the best defensive players uh, in the NBA. We know he can rebound. We know he can distribute the ball. We know he can finish on the break. Uh, it, it, there is going to come a point, though, in this postseason where it's the final two minutes. And, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Is the opposing coach going to foul him when you have a possession? Are you trying to hide him or is he going to be aggressive? So that to me is what it's ultimately going to come down to. I think that's where he has to sort of prove himself. If there are these big possessions at the end of games and you're trying to figure out where you're going to go with the ball and what role he's going to play, uh, that that to me is going to be probably be the story uh, of the Sixers postseason one way or another. Brian? Well, sure. Just real quick, I am going to talk on that idiot fan yesterday just for a brief second. You know what? I'm tired of stuff like that, and I'm from the old school. Now, it didn't happen like way back in the day or whatnot, like it did with our test. But I say just, just like he got it dumped on him yesterday. I would have been like, just have security just ease him up into the stand a little bit, <laughs> you know, and just just kick the holy. I'm not. I'm not trying to say get well violence okay it's violence but if you're gonna do something like that and if you're not gonna protect these guys like you should i just just beat just carte blanche meet me out in the parking lot you want to dump popcorn on me meet me in the parking lot and we'll, we'll we'll see if you dump any more popcorn on me that's the way i feel about it because back in the day when we played basketball in high school you did something like that to us you were going to get it straight back not from security from us so, all right, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up about that now. Now, now you got me all fired up, and I'm all ranting now and everything else. Um, but Shield, yeah, we were talk, talking about the Sixers, and um, you know, Sherman's talking about Simmons. This is the way I feel about Harris, Simmons, and Embiid. I just think what they should do is just get a decent point guard and let Simmons and Embiid work down on the box. Let Tobias do his thing. Instead of having a 6'10 point guard that can't shoot it against a barn to save his life, he does better when he's down low. That's what I think they should do. And then the other thing, like you were saying earlier, Shield, these guys have a propensity to get hurt. One of them always seems to be hurt. 
So if one of them go down, you know what the clamor is going to be. Yeah, we, I mean, we'll see how the the playoffs uh, play out here. You know, they 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 were able to play this way and be the number one seed in the East, and you know, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be one of the final four teams standing. So, uh, you know, I'm not somebody who says uh, blow it up completely if if they don't make the finals, if they don't win a title this year. I think there are things to uh, build on. I think you saw what a what a difference that kind of the coaching change uh, made there. I think they got a smart guy running the operation in Daryl Moore. So uh, a lot of it is just surrounding uh, Simmons and Embiid with guys who can shoot. I mean, that's really what you saw this year. It just opens everything up. Those guys are going to get good looks. So we'll just sort of see how far that takes them. I want to bring up here, uh, Sheila, when it comes to Tua, and as we switch gears here now, we'll take it down to the AFC South. Uh, Miami Dolphins, we know that they chose Tua. Uh, Ryan Fitz goes to DCU, by the way. We don't call him. Except for Sherman, he, he likes to call him the Washington football team. The rest of us like to call him DCU for the District of Columbia University, uh, whatever they are, team over there. But uh, for DCU, Ryan Fitz goes over there. He's trying to do something different. Again, we hear that maybe Aaron Rodgers, that could be a possible trade-up for Aaron Rodgers if he decides not to stay with Green Bay. But for Tua, we know that we he came in kind of, you know, not polished. He, he was injured, so he was coming off his injury going into the starting quarterback role. So I'm pretty sure that had a lot to do with weighing on his mind, whether he get injured again, would it end his NFL career. But the one thing I will admit about this kid is that he actually came out almost like Patrick Mahomes like, but he came out and stated the reason why when a reporter asked him the reason why he didn't play and or use a playbook to the best of his ability last year. And I'll bring up the comment. I, I like what he said, because you don't hear this from a lot of NFL players. And it, it's kind of surprising and also good to hear at the same time, too, because everyone has their own little faults, and, and we understand that. But it was good to hear what, what Tua said. And before I play the video, YouTube, this is available for public domain as our man, little disclaimer disclosure. As you can see with the rest of the world, YouTube, YouTube, this is available on public domain. So here's what Tua had to say. You're saying that there were instances last year where you were executing plays you didn't feel comfortable with and you didn't feel comfortable checking into other plays, checking out of those plays into other plays. Actually, what, what I'm saying is I didn't actually know the, like, the playbook necessarily really, really good. And that's on no one else's fault, you know, but my fault. And they, they, our, our play calls were simple when, when I was in, you know, I didn't have alerts and checks. Um, whereas now, you know, feeling more comfortable, you know, I can kind of maneuver my way, you know, through through these things now. So, again, it, it's interesting here. Again, he's coming into his second year, his first full year as the starting quarterback for Miami Dolphins. And it's good to hear when, when guys can admit themselves as an athlete, hey, my, my best game wasn't there last year. I wasn't really into it. He's saying his hips feel a lot better this season. He decided to stay in Florida instead of flying back to Hawaii uh, to be with the family. But he said he decided to stay there because he wanted to get to know the guys a little bit more. He wanted to learn his wide receivers. He wanted to know the routes. And more importantly, he said that he wanted to get the cadences down. So how would it, as far as your take, what Tua said, is it okay for a quarterback to actually come out and say that? Or are people to the point like, oh, my God, I wouldn't say anything like that. I wouldn't even admit it. I would just keep it to myself. So I'd like to know your thoughts. 
Uh, I like that he said. I like that he said it and that he admitted it. I mean, I, I don't. I don't understand when people want the athletes to lie about, about those kinds of things, right? You know, I right. think it actually shows a um, a self confidence. Uh, you know, uh, kind of a uh, he's not so insecure that he has to just lie about it and say, yeah, I had it all down. And, and to be quite honest, I bet if you like interviewed every starting quarterback in the NFL and said, was your experience kind of like that as a rookie that the majority of them would say, Oh yeah, my head was swimming. I mean, it's a huge transition. It's a hard position to play. Uh, depending on your, you might have great coaching. You might have terrible coaching. You might have a great offensive line. You probably have a terrible offensive line. If you are a, a high pick in the first round, cause that means the team probably stunk the year before you might not have great pass catching weapons. I mean, there are all these variables. And then, like you mentioned, he's coming off of an injury at that point. So uh, it's only natural. Uh, I think that a guy would have kind of that. That's what your rookie season's for. I mean, we finished the draft and everybody looks at it and y- your eyes get big and you say, Oh, this rookie's going to come in and do X, Y, and Z. It rarely happens that way. I mean, there are exceptions for sure. And it depends on position. But even if you look at quarterbacks, like I was looking at quarterbacks uh, over the last 10 years, just guys drafted in the first round and guys who played as a rookie. If you look at it on average, those guys are like the 25th, 26th best starter in the NFL as rookies. Like, you know, you have exceptions. You have a Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson, RG3 back in the day, but uh, it's just so rare to have those types of seasons. So uh, it did not shock me. It didn't surprise me. And I think usually we make a mistake when we read too much into how a guy looked, especially a quarterback in his rookie year and say, this is what that guy's going to be. Cause think about a guy like Josh Allen, right? I mean, it took him till his third year and all of a sudden he was an MVP candidate last year. Right. Well, well, uh, I guess I'm going to jump in here. We're going to talk a little more NFL Eagles um, and cover them. They had some big hires today and they, they promoted some people. Uh, they promote, let me, yep, here we go. Amina Solomon is a pro scout. Um, Catherine Rach, I think I got that right, is vice president of football operations. And uh, I think that was it. So what were your thoughts on the Eagles uh, making some big hires here? I know you worked work for them. So have you ever interacted with these people? And do you have any thoughts on the on the new hires? Yeah, no, I've just covered the team. So I haven't been, uh, you know, inside the building working for um, the organization. So, uh, you know, I, I honestly don't know um, too much about the moves that they made. I think they were internal uh, hires and, and people getting promoted. So that's the type of thing you see. This time of year, you know, they've had turmoil in their front office with ownership. We've written about that extensively uh, on The Athletic. So you kind of just hope that they're building uh, a building with collaboration with everyone pulling in the same direction. So we'll see how those things uh, work out for them. Boogie? Hey, you're, you're muted. Apologies. As far as the two ladies being hired in the Eagles front office, I believe Denver just hired, uh, I think it's Kelly Klein, just recent. I mean, I, you know, it's a great way that the NFL is going, you know, hiring, bringing in more women in positions. What's your take of it? Yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I think too often 
the NFL is just about who you know. And so a guy gets to a job as a GM and he's going through, all right, well, who did I work with in my last three stops? Okay, I'm going to call them up and they're going to come here and they're going to work for me. And that is not the way you build a great organization. I, I mean, I, I think you really want to have a process where you're actively searching for the best candidates, the most qualified people, uh, the people who can bring different perspectives, people who are not afraid to question you or, or, or think about things differently than you do. And so I, I think, you know, they have a l- long way to go. I think the NFL, but uh, I think like you mentioned, it's a great step in the right direction that here you have these two women who are obviously qualified and uh, have put in the work and now are at least seeing the rewards for kind of the work that they've done. Nick, last question. Yeah. Last question for you, Sheil. Um, by the way, go follow Sheil on Twitter at Sheil Kapadia. Did I get that right? You got it. Yep. Sweet. Um, so you 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 pinned a tweet May 10th, hashtag classics for Chio. Can you quickly explain what that is and uh, for the audience that don't know? Sure. Yeah. So we have a podcast, Birds with Friends, the Eagles podcast that I do with Bo Wolf and Zach Berman. And uh, I'm not a big movie guy. I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, 20 minutes in, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to start looking at my phone. I'm going to turn this off. Is there a game on right now? Is there something else I can be doing? I'm kind of bored. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's having two kids. My attention span, something has happened where uh, I just can't get through these movies. So it's got to be really something that, you know, uh, I'm really into for me to stick with it. So we've had this podcast, Birds with Friends, for about four years. And so I challenged the audience. I said, this is a slower time in the NFL calendar. You guys should know me well. You've heard my voice like, you know, a couple hours a week here. If you've been a loyal listener for four years, I want you to suggest movies that you think I will like. So it's not movies that you like. I mean, I don't care what your favorite movie is. I want to know what do you think is are movies that you've seen that I will be able to get through and that I will like. And so uh, for some reason, they were much more interested in, in this exercise than hearing my opinions uh, on the Eagles. I can tell you that much because we had a lot of people chime in and they've uh, you know suggested about, uh, I think, over 200 movies at this yeah. point. And so if you just go on Twitter with the hashtag classics for shield, um, I take a look at that every few days. I add the movies to a spreadsheet and I'm trying to make myself uh, watch as many of these as possible. Now, if it's a movie, I think, you know, I'm, I know I'm not going to get through, I'll watch about uh, 25 minutes of it. And then I post my reviews on, on Instagram, which is just uh, at shield Kapadia. So um, it's just kind of a silly exercise to get us through the off season, but something that the audience is enjoying. It's okay because we're learning as well. It's our first off season and we've had a lot of fun doing so, trying to make sure that we get everybody stayed in tune, especially on a Thursday night. It was kind of difficult and then leads into the regular season, which is not that far away, but still seems very far away. But Shil Kapadia, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We know that you gave us additional time here to be with us, uh, be on with us. And everyone, please follow Shil like we do at Shil Kapadia on Twitter. And if you want to mention your Instagram again, Shil. Sure. Yep. Instagram is at uh, Shield Kapadia. If you want some of the worst movie reviews you're ever going to see, uh, you, you can you can find them all there for sure. So thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun. You're Thank you, Shield. We you. appreciate your time. Have right, a great night. All right. We got about uh, about another 14 minutes or so here left on the podcast. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> Look, it's Vito. In full HD, right in front of everybody. Vito. Hey, oh, nice. congrats. What's the matter, you? No, that's all right. There you go. All for Vito. All for Vito.
<laughs> so listen, great interview there by by Shio, and and thankfully for for him coming on, Ryan. I know you had to step away there momentarily. Um, thank you, Tom. Uh, technical for, di technical for, difficulties. Just, yeah, just a, just a little bit. There's uh, one thing that Tom brought up uh, earlier, and I know Ducky, I see the one that you have there. Um, but Tom brought this up, so Sherman, I'd like to get your thoughts as far as what Tom stated there. Speaking of lying, Girardi is a terrible liar. You know what? This guy, Joe Girardi, he's trying to make a royal flush with only three cards. And if you're a poker player, that's just not going to happen. It's pretty amazing wow. what he's doing if you think about it. No JT in the lineup. No Bryce Harper in the lineup. No D.D. Gregorius in the lineup. And the Phillies at this point, they're one game under 500. they They're two and a half games out of first. So it's pretty amazing what they're doing. I'm not even going to focus on Girardi because anybody who's watched this show has heard me bash him over and over. Let's talk about the good. If anything comes out of this season, if VV, my boy VV, can keep up the pace that he's doing right now, they can have a quality number four starter. Look, nobody's putting Vince Velasquez in Cooperstown. Nobody's expecting Vince Velasquez to be a number one or number two starter on any team in Major League Baseball. But what he has done in the last four games, you have to start giving this guy some credit. It's not like he's done it against four of the bottom feeders of the league. Right. He pitched against Milwaukee. He pitched against the Blue Jays. He pitched against the Marlins, and I believe that he also pitched against the Braves. He's putting out some quality starts. He's pitching out of jams. And, look, I know that all the naysayers will turn around and they'll say, well, you know, his pitch gap gets too high. All right, it's something that he needs to work on. And also you can turn around and think about the fact that Vince Velasquez in all of these games seems to be one pitch away from imploding. You watch that Marlins game the other night. Aguilar smoked the ball. Drilled the ball to left field with the bases loaded. And if that ball drops, all of a sudden Vince Velasquez's line is completely different. But I think it's start. I think it's time to start giving this man a little bit of respect as a number four starter because the Matt Moore project and the Chase Anderson project certainly did not work out. And Vince, Vince Velasquez, as Fuji and I talked off air uh, on a previous day, he he might be playing for a contract. And is he going to have that contract with the Phillies next year, or is he going to go to a competitive team like the A's or the Astros? Who knows? That's for sure. Hey, and oh. now this division's wide open, right? Syndergaard's out six weeks. DeGrom is out for a little bit longer. You know, the Braves mm. are still struggling a little bit. Like, like the Phillies' chances all of a sudden are looking quite real to, to make a real run at the NL East. So. Well, it's a five-team race, pretty much. The Braves will turn this around at some point. They'll catch fire. They'll go on a streak. And at the end of the year, the Braves the Braves will pull away. They may not blow the division out by 10 games, but at some at some point, the Braves are going to start putting it together. and they'll, they'll probably win the division like maybe by four or five games. But, that I mean, that's what I see. Phillies. Are you willing to bet on that? Well, let's talk about your Pirates, though. I mean, do you want yeah, to talk no, about teams who are imploding? They, they had the, the Pirates value. They, <laughs> they had one of the worst plays I've ever seen in history. The Pirates, so, and I hope the Pirates are listening. I hope the Pirates management catches this. You suck out loud. It's erroneous. It's foul. It's it's it, it, it smells like it's like the Ten Commandments movie from 1956 with Charlton Heston at the end of the movie. Where the, the 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 face of death, the shadow of death, that green fog comes 
seeping over the sky and over the moon and it comes down and then it starts seeping through Goshen. That, that's what it's like. And the pirates, are they'll, they'll never get it. They haven't been relevant for 20-some years when they had Bonds and Bonilla, you know, and all those guys. And I thought, you know, they were going to make a run or win a series or two. They stink. They're horrible. They started off the year fantastic. They were 12 and 11. You know what they are since then? 6 and 19. It's horrendous. And now – I think the I think the the over under on then or under win total Sherman what what did I tell you Sherman it was like wasn't it like forty some or no it might have even been less I think it was like forty some odd games or maybe or maybe less uh, whoever took that bet right now is looking sweet a entertainment purposes only oh they will they will certainly win over forty games this year they will certainly win over forty games they will win over fifty games this year. There's 162 games. Even the worst teams in baseball go 60 and 102, 42 games under 500. Uh, but gone are the days of John Smiley, Rick Roden, John Candelaria, Doug Drabeck. I mean, the last time the Pittsburgh Pirates were relevant, I think, what was that, the 1992 playoffs against the Braves with the classic play at home plate? Sid Bream. Yeah. Yep. Sid Bream was safe at home plate. Yep. Horrible. And they haven't they – haven't, Sniffed a division since then. They're not going to. Sn- the only oh. thing that that org- the only the only thing that that organi- organization sniffed is the fouling smoke, the foul smelling odor that comes from all of them because it's horrendous. All Pittsburgh is is a farm team for other teams in the major league baseball establishment. That's oh. all they are. It's all. What's they are. Kansas City, Baltimore, Oakland? Didn't Kansas, City a, didn't Kansas City just win a World Series, Fuji? Yeah, a couple of years ago, but still, like right. every you got the Yankees, Boston, the Dodgers buying up corner in the market and buying everybody up because small market teams can't afford it, and it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace in all sports, I guess. That's why the NFL is the number one because they're the best structured out of the four major sports. Luckily, the NHL didn't go in the toilet until they got a salary cap. It's unfair to like small market teams like Pittsburgh. There you got to blame the ownership because they probably don't draw that good, and the owners are too damn cheap to spend any goddamn money. You know, and it, and, it, and the sad part about it is, you know, up until '92 when all this started, they had a rich. No, it wasn't like the Yankees and the Cardinals and the Dodgers and you know so on. But they had a rich tradition up until that point for like 40 years. You know. The uh, uh, the shot heard around the world. The home run hurt. I mean, beat the Yankees for God's sakes. They're down three one to Baltimore in nineteen seventy nine. They come back and win. They had Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell, Rob Parker, all those boys. Omar Moreno, the Mad Dog. You know, Bill Matlock. I mean, they just they they've taken they have taken a once proud organization and they have. Scrap iron, Phil Gorn. They flushed the lever on the toilet, and that's where it's been ever since. I'm sorry I'm getting like this, but when it comes to my teams, just like you guys are, and your teams suck out loud for that long. Well, the Phillies weren't good up until they moved into Citizens Bank Park when they decided they knew they had to spend money. When they brought Jim Tomey in in 2003, they didn't even talk about the Phillies on WIP for years. They refused because they were in the toilet. Nobody wanted to talk Phillies baseball. It was a joke. Yep. 
Sure the, mo- the most impressive thing about Pittsburgh and all their teams is that the three major teams all have the same color scheme of yellow and black. How impressive is that? that the Pirates, yellow and black. The Pittsburgh Penguins, yellow and black. The Pittsburgh Steelers, yellow and black. I think that that's highly impressive. And how do they not have a – how does that city not have a basketball? But somebody explain to me how Pittsburgh over the years has not had – how did they not get an expansion NBA team? They By did in the movie, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh with Julius <laughs> They were right. the Pittsburgh Pythons and then the Pittsburgh Pisces. And the doctor took them to the promised land. <laughs> There's two comments I want to get in here before we sign off. We've got about four minutes and some change here. Ducky says, what do you guys think about Millville's own Raquel Armstead going to the New York Giants? Nick, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I honestly don't know who that is. But uh, <laughs> sounds, 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 sounds awesome. <laughs> Here we go. I got it. I got it. I got it. Does anyone know what position he plays before I tell you? Is he related to Jesse Armstead? No clue. Uh, no. Linebacker. Nope. I'm going with Neff, you want to take a guess? I, I, I concede the floor to my distinguished colleagues. Hmm. All right. Well, he's, a, he's a running back. Because um, you run every time you go in the office. Hmm. He is from Millville, and he's played two years. First team uh, All-ACC. In 2018, so that is uh, that's that's cool, but um, sorry, sorry, first team all AAC, my bad. Uh, before we get to the last one here with Thomas, but he says, uh, when he stays healthy, the boys, the boys, bad, and I coach him in Millville football. I got six Super Bowl rings back in the midget league when I was coaching him. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Well, how about his his career stats as of 2020 is 108 rushing yards, uh, no rushing touchdowns, 144 receiving yards, two touchdowns. So I guess we'll have to see. Uh, I'm curious if he actually will make the roster, but it would be cool if he did. That would be uh, be pretty cool if we got a Millville guy on the uh, on the roster. It would be, especially listen from Ducky Cornish himself. I mean, if the guy he ended up coaching, how much more can that not be? So, Ducky, if he makes it, you do realize you're getting the interview because what ends up happening is as he rises through the ranks, we get to talk to the people. We end up, you know, being a part of his life. So, you know, so just keep that in well, mind there, Ducky. Right, Tom, right, Quell, guys- right, Quell, I'm your biggest fan. Um, go Giants and uh, – Keep doing great things. And once again, see, that was just senseless information there, but it's okay. We'll let him go for it just because you know, he's a New Yorker, even though he's down <laughs> south. Hey, we know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Tom says, do you guys think the Eagles are a seven or eight game win team this mm. year? Right no. now, right now, I have them at six wins. They'd be much better off being a five or six win team than a seven or eight win team, just due to the fact that they would end up with a better draft pick next year. Here's the only stat that I'll put out there. And I know that the guy to my left right now does not make predictions until a couple hours before the season starts. But the Philadelphia Eagles have three games this year where the team that they are playing goes into a bye the following week. It's the game against the Raiders, it's the game against the Broncos, and it's the game against the Lions. Now, statistically, all three of those teams are probably going to stick. So when the Eagles play those three teams, they will probably be looking ahead to the bye and not putting their best foot forward. So those are games that the Eagles could potentially steal. So if they're able to steal two of those three games, then maybe they're a seven or eight win team. But personally, I have them at six wins as of right now. Hopefully, Tom, that answers your question. Thanks for everyone tuning in tonight. We do appreciate it. Before we go, of course, we can't forget about fans of Philly. Once again, their Vegas trip 
is completely booked, sold out. So if you guys are trying to go to Vegas, you probably can go. You just won't be able to go through fans of Philly only because they're completely booked solid for that particular trip. But, of course, you can still make it out to Denver. You can make it out to Atlanta. Plenty more trips that are not sold out as of yet. So if you guys want to travel like a champion, travel with fans of Philly, fansofphilly.com. If you want to email Joe to find out the latest packages that they have, email Joe at joe at fansofphilly.com and or call me in the office at 610-517-7171, 610-517-7171. And we also can't forget our media partnership with Goose's Monte Cristo Lounge and Tobagonist. Goose and the guys were out there a couple days ago testing out at the studio, and it looks absolutely fantastic. We can't wait to get out there September 12th and possibly not saying that we'll be there beforehand. It could be a possibility, but we're going to see if we can put maybe an Eagles pregame test pilot out there uh, before we make it out there. But it's going to be great to be out in the studio. The entire gang you see here on the screen will be out there. So we can't wait to see you guys and girls out there September 12th. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. And from what I understand, the national correspondent himself is buying 15 cigars for Vito alone because he wants to see them all there smoked at one time. So, Vito, that is the nice. challenge for tonight. You're a good citizen. It's very kind to you. <laughs> there you go. The duck, the duck man. Tom says, uh, thanks, guys. Great show tonight. Thank you, Tom and Ducky and everyone else who tuned in here tonight. And Ducky says, can't wait. I hope he makes a 53-man roster. And Ducky, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he will for sure. So, again, thank you to everybody. This was episode 53, and before I forget, once again, happy birthday to my sister. I hope she has a fantastic birthday today, throughout the weekend, and many, many more. And for anyone out there who had their birthday today on the 20th, 27th of May, happy birthday. We know that we have the gang here to still have to go through a ducky up there who's worn the sunglasses as the official ducky look. Oh, and by the way, before I do forget, the official, which I was going to bring up uh, when ducky talked about earlier as far as video <clears throat> From the Sixers, the official statement was, after an investigation into the incident that occurred at last night's game, we have determined that the person involved will have his season ticket membership revoked effective immediately, and in addition, he will be banned from all the events at the Wells Fargo Center indefinitely. And that's just pretty much stupid. Why would you want to get, no, you know, that would be, we're going to have a show where we just have the, the stupid fans and we'll bring stuff up just because it is. But again, do not take to heart, everyone, what Dougie said in the very beginning, which was, that the Philadelphia fan base sucks. Don't don't go for his word, okay? Because we already know that New York has a title, so that's the way it is. And uh, from one Ducky to the other, what's up, Ducky? What's up? What's up, Ducky? So thank you guys, girls, once again for watching the show tonight. We do appreciate. It. We will be back next week, uh, which Tuesday night, by the way, will we will be live on Tuesday night, and that will be with Glenn Mack now from ninety four WIP. So Glenn will be with us Tuesday night. He was supposed to be on with us this past Tuesday. But due to unfortunate circumstances on Tuesday, we had to cancel the show, rearrange it for this Tuesday. So this Tuesday coming up, we will have Glenn Mack now. And then maybe we'll have somebody for a surprise here come next Thursday. So we will see everyone next Tuesday, 8 p.m. for a live show, followed by next Thursday at 7.30. So for my producer in the other room, which Ryan, of course, reminded me, Debbie, the producer, out in the other room, listening in, we'll see what's going on. I thank her, along with Sherman, being back. Oh, and excuse me, I know... She tells me that I should end the show differently, but I must ask. So, Sherman, I have to ask before we sign off, how did the venture go, and did you find an actual team indoor field for your new softball league? Well, the venture was 
pretty good. Went all the way down I-81 for 500 miles. So if you've ever driven that road, there are a lot of trucks on the road. I did make it to a minor league stadium, double-A minor league stadium, Tennessee Smokies versus the Biloxi Shuckers. But I haven't been able to round out the softball team just yet. We shall see what happens in the future days. And, and again, the favorite part of the show for Mrs. Sherman. Take it away, Sherman. Yo, everyone, tell your dad and mom, check out the site, BurksBoutique.com. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to, one of these days, he's going to come up with like a super rap just out of nowhere for Burks Boutique. So again, thanks, Sherman, for the, the plug there and for Barbara for the, uh, for the boutique. And I'm glad she's <coughs> continuing to do it well. Uh, with her online shopping. That's absolutely fantastic to see. I got one more comment coming in here before we end the show. Uh, try to put in. Uh, Ducky, I will tell you about it later on. So I, I'll... Hey, yeah. Big I'll up let, to my father, wherever he is. Thank us for his service. Everybody that served who's no longer with us or did serve Memorial Day weekend, everybody stay safe. It's going to be a wet one here. It's supposed to rain all weekend, most of the weekend. But again, oh. be thankful, be thankful. Be thankful of every serviceman and woman who have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice. Yes, thank you to the military. We all salute you. Thank you for keeping us safe. Everybody have a nice, nice Memorial Day weekend. Be safe. It's not all about the hot dogs and beverages. It's much it's, more than that. Listen, and, and thank you guys, because as a veteran, I will tell you, it means a lot, especially because you see the Memorial Day sales. It's not about the Memorial Day sales. It's about people like myself. You know, our families, our friends, my father, who served for 33 years, if it wasn't for people like us having the big cojones to go out there to defend this country, regardless of what's going on in this country today, this country wouldn't be where it is, where you guys can go anywhere you want because of people like us. So thank you guys for mentioning as well. And to everyone else, thank you once again to Ryan F. By the way, Christina, hello. I hope you enjoyed watching the show tonight. Uh, for <laughs> Nick and for Fuji, we will see everyone again next Tuesday. Live at 8 o'clock, followed by the Thursday show. So everyone have a great night and have an awesome weekend.